0: Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. That you would come with your word, cut to the heart, God, and that you would do your work in us. And we give you the space, we give you the room. We say, Jesus, be our King of Kings. Everyone says, Amen. Right. I'm going to jump right into the word this morning. Acts chapter twenty, verse thirty-two. I'm continuing um, our series that I started a couple of weeks ago about discipleship. Um, Discipleship is um, a great privilege, the great privilege. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples, and as I often say, if you know it's your last words, you're going to say the most important things, right? And so Jesus does that with his disciples. He says to them, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. But Lord, I'm with you. And so I think it was two weeks ago, I was sharing about Daniel and how he, he was an incredible disciple and disciple maker. And he, was, he had such a powerful story um, of how God was with him in, in, in very difficult times. And so we're continuing that this morning. Uh, before I just introduce this morning's topic, um, if you can put up our vision there, address uh, the next slide. I want to just tell you how it fits into the bigger picture. Sometimes we, um, we just need to know how we're focusing in all our efforts, all um, what we're doing, and even just the word that we're sharing into the bigger picture. And so our vision, um, which is you know, a new vision as we sort of relaunch the church, um, is fathering a city towards revival. And of course, fathering encompasses discipleship. Fathering is discipleship. Father is, fathering is a, a deeper measure of discipleship. We can talk about that a bit more. Um, then towards revival, um, revival talks about the quality of discipleship. It's it's the depth of God's um, work in our hearts. If we really allow God in deeply, we experience the revival from the inside as God comes in us. And then a city—that's that's the area of of what we believe God has called us to to influence and so fathering um is discipleship is very much a part it's the it's 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 core to what we do Um, in fact you know as I just mentioned Matthew 28 says go into all the world making disciples and so that should be the core of every church is is growing people um into Christ and growing into Christ and there's There's this box I want to break, because sometimes we think discipleship is a little program that I do, or a booklet that I work through, and I did that back when I got saved, you know, I did all the encounters, I did all the, you know, I did the book, and and, you know, I've, I've got that, and I don't want to despise that, those are amazing tools, but discipleship is a lifelong process. Discipleship is as we move closer to Jesus, we grow in our discipleship. Um, so Acts chapter 20 verse 32 and this is good news um, Paul speaks to the church at Ephesus he says now, so now brethren actually the leaders of Ephesus I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified so this, this that's an exciting promise um, the, the word of God's grace is able to build you up to strengthen you Right, And there's, there's so much encouragement around that. Um, but then it says, but there's an inheritance that you get. And that's one of the most amazing things in the Christian walk, um, is we get something that we don't deserve. And I'm, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about um, after we're walking in our salvation, what we get through God to impact this world. We call that an inheritance. And so the good news is, All of us have something to give if you belong to God by the grace of his word. Okay, the emphasis there, the grace of his word. So it's not about what you've achieved. It's not about your works. It doesn't say uh, by the works through his word in you. It doesn't say that. It says by the grace of his word. It's 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 unmerited. It's supernatural. God deposits something in you. Perhaps you don't even know yet what that is, and perhaps we're just, you know, walking in discovering um, what that is. I'm certainly discovering the inheritance that God has given me through the Word of His grace. All right. Um, So, so you've received words, right? God's, you know, through people or through, you know, personally, maybe a still small voice, maybe through His Word, has spoken words. Over your life, and those words carry grace um, and an inheritance for you to accomplish and do um, what God has called you to do. So, that is good news, firstly, because um, that breaks the lie that you cannot um, be a disciple. You are a disciple, and more than that, you've got something to give. You've got an inheritance, not by anything that you've done or anything that you've achieved but by the word of his grace. And secondly, um, it means that everyone in God has potential. This is amazing. And so my um, title for this morning is A Vision for People. And so we as believers, we can get excited about any person, right? No matter where they are, no matter what background they have, no matter what they've been through, God is able Anyone that is willing to yield to God, God can do incredible things in and through that person, right? And so the, 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 the challenge just is a heart that wants to, heart that is receptive. But this word gives us such a hope that we can look at any person from any background and know that God through his grace can do amazing thing, things through people. And that's the, that's the beauty of discipleship. That's the amazing thing is you can walk a road with someone and the world could have maybe forgotten about this person or lost hope in this person, but you can see what God can do, and you can walk it out and see. So many people of you, many of you are going like this. You've experienced it. You've experienced it. And, and um, Matthew and I and Jamie were talking about discipleship this week, and he made this powerful comment. He said, "Discipleship is a miracle. It's not. It's not. It's not a like." You can do this really well or, you know, you, all the step plans, do it perfectly. Um, you can actually do all of that right and it doesn't work, right? But discipleship is a miracle where God comes and he transforms a person's life through the word of his grace. God does it. We get the privilege of walking with people, right? And um, this word is really just um, so encouraging. Is We all have an inheritance, And every person that comes to Christ through the word of his Christ can have an inheritance. I'm going to share something on that in a second. Um, But I want to just share a little bit of an analogy. Um, Ramesh Richard shares the the following um, really powerful um, analogy of of, um, vision. Um, And vision, of course, is sight. Um, and in a you know, Christian context, it, it, it generally includes sight into the future. So apparently in Mumbai, um, I'm sure most of us heard, have heard of the hotel group, uh, the Taj Mahal, right? And then specifically in Mumbai, uh, there's the Taj Mahal, um, and it's one of the most incredible buildings built in Mumbai Um, incredible architecture Um, in fact it's called as a gracious landmark facing the gracious gateway of India an incredible hotel but if you go and look at the hotel you'd find something very peculiar and interesting about this hotel Um, the back side faces the sea Uh, the front side faces a really like average or actually less than average street and so what had happened, this is apparently it's credible tradition, that in the time of the British Raj, um, an architect from London had, had designed this hotel, and the builder took the, took the plans, went to Mumbai, started building, executed the plan perfectly, but he built it the wrong way around, <laughs> right? And apparently, according to the tradition, he then jumped into the Arabian Sea. Um, because of being despondent about his, his work. Because it was an incredible, incredible work. And what Ramesh says is, is you know, so many times um, this guy had incredible passion, right? He had the passion of the architect. He had the mission of the architect. You could see that because he actually lost his life because of how passionate he was. Um, he had the passion, he had the mission, but he didn't have the vision, of the architect, He had the whole plan, but he didn't see it as the architect saw it. And so re- vision is really powerful. Um, and vision is what God gives us as believers. Right? Um, again, Ramesh says the following. Um, While we possess the human faculty of future vision, we must acquire the distinctly Christian faculty of future vision which comes from a right relationship with the Lord, right? God gives us vision about the future, simply not just through our intellect. And of course, that is God has given us as well, but he gives us as a divine deposit as we um, relate with him, as we spend time with him. Um, and then he says, unfortunately, even followers of Jesus Christ can forfeit, drawing upon the very resources that must um, sustain a purposeful life, Right? Again, Acts chapter 20, through the word of his grace, we can have this incredible grace, but we can forget to access the grace that God has given us. Right, um, can my wife um, quickly come? Um, I really like sermon props, but I'm not always as good with props. Um, But I've I've got a very good prop this morning. Right, so this, this is my prop this morning. Okay, so this little guy has taught me a lot about living with God and being a father and, and being my third, bo- a third born, um, you know, he's, he's really, um, you know, both, all three of my kids, my mom-in-law there at the back, she's an incredible help, but she will also testify that he has intense cramps. All our kids have um, difficulties in terms of cramps. And, you know, something that's, that's really, um, that I've really learned through fathering is sometimes he can have pain um, and there's just nothing I can do about it. You know, I can, I can, you know, there's a couple of tricks of the trade of fathering, um, you know, or mothering. You can, you can do the bouncing, the burping You know, there's even like these massages that you do on the stomach to get the cramps out. Um, But many times, this is nothing you can do. And then you can just be with him, right? And so, Liana will also testify hours in the evenings, right? You're there. But the only thing you can do um, is comfort. And and it's such a powerful analogy to me um, through, you know, what God does in our life. Sometimes... God saves us, and he takes us out of difficulty. But Jesus says we will face difficulty, right? And so he says that the Holy Spirit is the comforter, right? Um, and, and he comforts us in difficulties, and that's, that's just so encouraging, right, to know that the Father has sent his Spirit to comfort us. And so, so you know, many times there's just nothing I can do, but he's, the, the, the comfort um, is, is what I can bring, but so obviously, God has given us this privilege of, of fathering for those of us called to fatherhood. Um, and, you know, fathering is a reflection of the Heavenly Father towards us as His sons and daughters, right? And so, um, Michal um, is um, five years younger than his, his brother. And we obviously know. Um, certain things that God has said over him, right? There's these certain prophetic words that God has given us. Um, He looks a little bit hungry here. Um, There's certain things about his life and his calling um, that God has given us. He's given us his name. Um, His name means, is is Michael, which means um, who is like God. Uh, That's his first name and his second name is John. Which means God is gracious. So, as a friend of ours pointed out, it's, his name is a question and an answer. Who is like God? God is gracious. Um, and so, we know a lot about God, but, sorry, we know about God, but we know about his life through God, right? And just a little bit of a discussion that you would come with your word cut to the heart, God. And that you would do your work in us. And we give you the space, we give you the room. We say, Jesus, be our King of Kings. Everyone says, Amen. Right, I'm going to jump right into the word this morning. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. I'm continuing um, our series. I just started a couple of weeks ago about discipleship. Um, discipleship is... Um, a great privilege, the great privilege. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples, and as I often say, if you know it's your last words, you're going to say the most important things, right? And so Jesus does that with his disciples. He says to them, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, but lo, I'm with you. And so, I think it was two weeks ago, I was sharing about Daniel, and how he, he was an incredible disciple and disciple maker and he was he had such a powerful story um, of how God was with him in, in in very difficult times and so we're continuing that this morning uh, before I just introduce this morning's topic um, if you can put up our vision there address uh, the next slide I want to just tell you how it fits into the bigger picture sometimes we um, we just need to know how we're focusing in all our efforts all um, what we're doing, and even just the word that we're sharing into the bigger picture. And so our vision, um, which is our know, new vision as we sort of relaunch the church, um, is fathering a city towards revival. And of course, fathering encompasses discipleship. Fathering is discipleship. Father is, fathering is a, a deeper measure of discipleship. We can talk about that a bit more. Um, who is like God? God is gracious. Um, And so we know a lot about God, but, sorry, we we know about God, but we know about his life through God, right? And just a little bit of a discovery with my other children. God says all these things about them, and it's incredible. I don't tell them this is who you are and what God has said. They just naturally begin to walk in what God has given them, right? But I cannot force them. I cannot put my expectations on them. They become who they are through the word of God's grace. God deposits something in them and we as parents, um, and also we as people that build into people, we get the opportunity of partnering with God as he builds into their lives. Thanks. All right. Okay, so that's... The first step um, is just recognizing that God has given us grace, and and whoever we speak into their lives um, has given us grace. The second thing is, God has given us a vision for where you are at. God is not confused. He calls us to a place, He calls us for a purpose, and obviously, our context is South Africa. Um, we live in this, this nation, and God has given us a specific purpose in this nation. Um, I want to just re-read what I said earlier about Ramesh Richard. Unfortunately, even followers of Jesus can forfeit, drawing upon the very resources that must sustain a purposeful life. Now, um, many of us can look and, and limit what God is wants to do through us Um by looking at the circumstances around us. And so our eyes are more on our circumstances than our eyes are on the vision of God, right? God gives us a vision in a context and he gives us the ability to execute. He gives us the grace to execute it in the midst of difficulties. Have you noticed that God doesn't save you and then pluck you out of this life, right? He leaves you in a context And many times that context is not easy, right? We live in South Africa. We're aware of uh, the crime. We're aware of um, abuse. We're aware of lots of difficulties. It's not far away from us. God calls us into a context. Now, you can either look at the context and say, um, you know, it's hopeless. Or you can look at the context and say, I need to do something else. Or you can look at the context and say, I need to go somewhere else. Or you can say, I can look at the context and I can believe that God can do in it, something in and through me and leave just a little bit of an impact into this world. We can just affect a little bit of change um, into our community. And so the scripture, the story of, of, of scripture is full of it. God says, I will bring rivers in deserts, right? How's that for circumstances, Right. You know, there's, it's impossibility. Rivers in deserts, right? God says, "But I can do that." There's so many examples of our God would come in difficult circumstances and do some do the impossible. In fact, that's God's speciality. He specializes the, in the impossible. That's why we do intercession because we recognize that something needs to change. This world is in need of change. Um, and we need to draw from God so that God can show us what needs to change and how he wants to affect change, right? We need to be people that carry vision. We need to see as God sees and, and do, um, uh, execute that vision. Also not just, um, stop with the vision, um, but execute it. Not just see what God wants, but, but start to walk in, in faith, um, Impacted. The third thing is, um, vision is bigger than discomfort. Already spoken about comfort a little bit. Um, two scriptures there for you. Acts chapter 9 verse 31. You see this with the early church. They also had this tension of the world that they're seeing around them. is not measuring up to that which they're carrying in their hearts. People were killed around them the whole time. Then it says, the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. It's almost like in this, in between two things. Fear of God, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's that tension, that the, that the early church lived in. Um, they they flourished. That word multiplication simply means, it means numerically, um, but it just means that the atmosphere Um, around them was uh, atmosphere conducive to growth it was such an incredible um, atmosphere we see the same in psalm 147 verse 11 but the lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy and verse 14 he makes peace within your borders and fills you with the finest of the wheat he makes peace in your borders so it's an atmosphere Wedge between two things. The fear of God and awareness of who God is. Um, we, we struggle with that concept. But um, fear is not being afraid. Jesus went up the mountain. The Jews were afraid of God. They didn't want to go up the mountain. They were scared. He went up the mountain. Right? And then the other tension is um, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We live in a, in a context where, where there's a breakdown. We know of the reality of the kingdom. We know of the fruit of the kingdom. Joy, peace. And it's inside of us, but yet we don't see it around us. Right? And, and so, we are called to live between that tension. The comfort of the Holy Spirit bringing us closely to the fear of God. And in that place, the scripture says, "It's it's there's peace within our borders. There's a community where there's, there's peace. Right? And... Um, God fills you there's this abundance of what of God's goodness and so um, comfort is God's it's the god answer to difficulties right there's there's a, a human answer to difficulties but God's answer is um, is an embracing of His presence and His Holy Spirit in times of difficulty, right? We can either run away from times of difficulty or we can embrace it and say, Holy Spirit, meet me in this moment. You are my comforter. Some of you are nodding your heads because you've experienced that comfort that nothing in this world can bring. Um, The Holy Spirit that brings um, such a security, such a safety, Uh, It can't compare to anything in this world. And then the the fourth one is it's not our vision, but it's his vision. Um, God gives us a vision for people and the community around us. In fact, I'm speaking specifically about vision concerning people. Of course, I recognize there's other types of visions, but ultimately any godly vision ends up with people. I don't know if you've realized that. God's heart is for people. Someone once said, when you hear the beat of, heartbeat of God, it goes, people, 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 God loves people right he 's passionate about people if you If you look at Jesus, the first thing he would say about the Father, he tells the story of the prodigal son, that father that was so passionate he's, his heart broke when he had to release the son, but when the when the son returned, he went against everything that was cultural, he went to, against anything that was reasonable Um, it was really unreasonable for the father to run towards the son but yet the father is so passionate that when we've messed up we've done wrongs we've committed sin um, the father runs to to embrace us and that's not a it's not an excuse to sin but it's a it's a reflection of the heart of the father he runs towards us Um, he loves loves people but it's not our vision. Whatever vision God has given you, whether it's directly people or ultimately people, um, it's His vision. And we see a beautiful picture um, of Peter and Jesus at the at the end of just before Jesus is resurrected um, or ascended into into heaven. Um, Peter, you know, he he was this. A guy that really just did things for himself um, against the Son, but yet the Father is so passionate that when we've messed up, we've done wrongs, we've committed sin, um, the Father runs to to embrace us, and that's not a it's not an excuse to sin, but it's a it's a reflection of the heart of the Father. He runs towards us. Um, He loves loves people. But it's not our vision, whatever vision God has given you whether it's directly people or ultimately people um, it's his vision and we see a beautiful picture um, of Peter and jesus at the at the end of the, just before Jesus is resurrected um, or ascended into into heaven um, peter you know he he was this A guy that really just did things for himself, Um, again, incredible story of discipleship, Jesus spent three years with this guy, he was a fisherman, he was obnoxious, he was, um, he he was a coward, we know all the things about Peter, and then through through Jesus, spending time with him and transforming him, he he became this incredibly bold, fulfilled, um, whole person, right, and and here's a scene, and I love it, in John chapter 21. I'm just going to focus on verse 18, but, but you can see the whole restoration. Uh, Peter had just denied Jesus three times, right? Uh, how many times have we sort of just done the wrong thing? When we knew what the right thing was, but we just couldn't get ourselves. God is the God of the second chance. He comes to Peter and he says, most assuredly, I say unto you, First he says, there's that whole scene where Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? He says it three times until Peter's in tears. He's emotional. Jesus, you know that I love you. Right? And then he says, go and feed my lambs." It's, it's that, that uh, you know, a precursor to the, the commandment that Jesus then gives them to disciple um, um, people. But he restores Peter. And then he says the following. He says, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger reflecting on how Peter was before Jesus got a hold of him. When you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. You did your own thing, right? You were like just, you know, you know, you were going there and going there and doing your whatever seemed good to you. There was really no purpose to what you were doing. Um, and you were just happy, go lucky, and did what you wanted to do. But then he says... But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Right? And then the scripture goes on, and it says, Jesus was specifically referring to how Peter would then die, because he died a martyr's death. Right? So, so here we have a, have a guy that moves from zero um, alignment with the bigger picture, with God's plan, to meeting Jesus and having little alignment with God's plan. And then growing in alignment. And then by the end of his life, he was so aligned with God's vision. Jesus' plan that he ultimately was led to have a martyr's death. Do you see that, do you see that picture? Do you see the, the, the progression of the alignment of his heart? And uh, praise the Lord, not all of us are called to be martyrs. But what a dramatic example of what Jesus does, right? How he changes hearts and how he aligns us, not with our vision, but with his vision. I think so many times we, we talk about purpose and vision and calling that we begin to think it's mine. I own this thing, right? Or the words that God has spe- spoken over me. Uh, just relax. It's his vision, right? It's his calling. Um, he will make it to pass. All he needs is Willing hearts, right? And alignment of hearts concerning his plan. Washington Irving says, great minds have purpose. Others have wishes. The fifth one is um, a vision for people is work, right? It's the grace of God working through us. I use the analogy of my little son. Parenting is work, right? It doesn't happen automatically. Discipleship is work. In fact, anything worthy of um, affecting this world or worthy of living for God will be work, right? Um, if you look at if you look at all the years of the Bible, God does incredible things. God does incredible miracles, but they were active participants in what god was doing right they weren't passive in what god was saying they were really active in pursuing with god the emphasis wasn't on what they did the emphasis was on what god does but they were hard workers someone once said anonymous he says i work with god but god works without me right so the encouragement there is when I do something for God and it's in alignment with Him, it just works. It happens, right? God comes and He brings His supernatural blessing and it works, okay? But when I, um, but God works without me and that is also relieving and, and releasing to know that God doesn't need me, right? He establishes my plans, I don't establish His plans, right? He, um, he, he chooses and he has this incredible plan. Last, last time we spoke about the, you know, the sovereignty of God, the fact that he knows the beginning from the end. He sees the whole span. He has a, a purposed everything, but he's invited us to join with us as we partner with him. If you look at the years of the Bible, Nehemiah, he worked incredibly hard, right? He was, he had the promise of God. He had the supernatural provision. He was
1: miraculously
0: sent by the king. Um, and even when he was working, um, it was supernatural what had happened, but he worked hard, right? But God blessed his efforts. If you look at David, my plans, I don't establish his plans, right? He, um, he, he chooses and he has this incredible plan. Last, last time we spoke about the, you know, the sovereignty of God, the fact that he knows the beginning from the end, he sees the whole span, he has purposed everything, but he's invited us to join with us as we partner with him. If you look at the years of the Bible, Nehemiah, he worked incredibly hard, right? He was, he had the promise of God, he had the supernatural provision, he was miraculously sent by the king, um, and even when he was working, Um, it was supernatural what had happened, but he worked hard, right? But God blessed his efforts. If you look at David, um, David had incredible grace. He accomplished incredible things in his life, but he was a hard worker, right? The one time David messed up was the one time he didn't go to battle, but all the other times he went. He was was a king that was amongst the people. He didn't sit on the throne, like I said, just that one, one time, we messed up, right? But all the other time he was—he was in there, stuck in there. He was—he was working. Daniel was an incredible. We spoke about him last time. He was an incredibly hardworking individual. He was um, wiser than all the other people, but both natural and spiritual wisdom. It wasn't just that God just gave him the gifts and he was just sitting backwards and you know waiting for God to intervene. Now he was incredibly. Um, he was working on our Jesus, our, our true example, the ultimate example. If you look at Jesus, Jesus was busy, right? John ends off his book, says there's so many miracles that if, if, if we were to record everything that Jesus had done, there wouldn't be even enough books in the world to contain what he did in three years, right? We many times see Jesus when he was with his disciples and the, the, the multitudes were there. And he just had to escape right he had to go up to the mountain just to have a little bit of a time we had to go to the retreat into the desert um but jesus was busy right doing uh, he says i was i'm about my father's business he was working hard um, not of works but of grace the work that he did flowed from that place of the word of his grace um And, of course, with the example um, continues with the apostles. Um, You can just read the book of Acts, how incredibly industrious they were. They um, affected um, the whole of Asia Minor in a very, very short time. That particular group of disciples, small group, 120 initially, and, of course, it um, grew from there. And it was for the sake of the people they... um, Love the people. And that brings me to the conclusion. Three conclusions um, is love. Discipleship, if you haven't noticed by now, is undergirded by love. Right? We are driven by the love of God. The Holy Spirit pours into our hearts love for the people. Um, The discipleship journey is both a journey where you discover yourself and where you discover who other people are around you. Um, I've learned the most about myself um, discovering who other people are, right, and pouring into their lives and recognizing, okay, this is the gift that God has given me. If you want to grow as a believer, if you want to discover more of yourself, ask God, say, God, um, show me who can I bless. Show me into whose life I can give into and be a blessing to them and then see how much you discover about yourself and how you discover that it's really true what Jesus says. It's really more blessed to give than to receive. It's really more blessed. We, it, it fries our minds. The upside down kingdom. It doesn't make sense. It's really nice to receive. Right? It's really blessed to receive. Um, but Jesus says it's more blessed to give. Right? And, and that is true as we look at this life. And then... I mentioned this at the start, but I want to conclude with this um, again: is discipleship is a lifelong journey, uh, not a method or a book. Although, like I said, let's not despise those foundational things that are really important. The the reading the word. um, uh, um, Iniswart theologian says, "Show me into whose life I can give into, and be a blessing to them, and then see how much you discover." About yourself and how you discover that it's really true what Jesus says. It's really more blessed to give than to receive. It's really more blessed. It it fries our minds, the upside down kingdom. It doesn't make sense. It's really nice to receive. Right? It's really blessed to receive. Um, But Jesus says it's more blessed to give. Right? And and that is true as we look at this life. And then I mentioned this at the start but I want to conclude with this um, again is discipleship is a lifelong journey uh, not a method or a book although like I said let's not despise those foundational things that are really important the, the reading the word anywar um, theologian uh, um, says the way in which you start is the way in which you continue right if you if you start right you start by... On the foundation of the word. In other words, you you spend a lot of time in the word as a new believer. That means that's the way in which you will grow, right? Is in the the substance and the depth of the word, right? And we can always return to that. But the way in which you start is is so crucial. So let's embrace um, this incredible opportunity and um, this incredible commandment, right? to go and to make disciples. Um, Jesus says, I am with you. If you want to know where I am at, that's where I'm at, is when you go and you make disciples. And when we make disciples, it could be in our community, it could be people in our small groups, our peers, people in church, but it could also be the colleague. It could also be the neighbor. It could be, um, again, like I was sharing last time, Daniel actually discipled three kings that didn't know God at the start of when he discipled them. At the end, two of the three kings had recognized God as the ultimate king, right? In their own words, they said, they've recognized, they were completely pagan, uh, uh, idol worshiping. In fact, two of them were worshiped by the people, right? Such a transformation through um, Daniel's faith in disciples. So let's embrace this challenge. We, We're surrounded by people that don't have access to what you and I have access to, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, joy, peace, all of this. We have access to a a heavenly realm that the neighbor, the friend around the corner, those that don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, do not have. Let's trust God to impart what we have. Working with God. Don't worry about God's part. Um, I can just tell you, doing this for 10, 15 years, God is faithful, right? And when we align our hearts with people, He takes care of the process and He actually takes care of you as well, right? Reinhard Bunker says, um, you know, if, if we take care of God's needs, He takes care of our needs. And God's need is to see the salvation of the world. And that is, that is the, the plan A of God, he doesn't have a plan B. And God's need is to see the salvation of the world. And that is, that is the, the plan A of God. He doesn't have a plan B. Right? God has chosen to impact the world through discipleship. Right? Now, there's many good causes out there. There's many worthy things. But if they don't line up with the plan of God, they're going to be good works but not God works. They're going to affect change but not ultimate change right They're not going to affect eternity. they might change things for a while but ultimately God through his plan through his vision will bring about change so let's let's tap into what God has given us. let's tap into the gifts that he's given us He's given us a, a diversity of gifts and and we as a community need to discover what is our part what is what is the role that God has given us as 18 spoke, Some of us are, are, are seers, we're prophets, we are able to see. Others, others of us are executors, right? Others are pastoral. Others are, we need to discover this. You know, we, we read with the new members um, section 1 Corinthians 12, which speaks about the body. There's this beautiful analogy of we, we form different parts of the bigger picture, we need one another. Um, and through being together, God affects change. So I want to invite you um, into this process, into community um, as we join together with God and work with God and not work for God, right? That's my last statement this morning um, is let's, let's work um, for um, let's work with God and stop doing favors for God. You know how we do favors for God? We, 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 we say, God, you know, here's a little bit of something. Um, God is, He wants our full hearts. He wants our full engagement. And so let us pray this morning. Father, we, we thank you for all that you've given us. Then you guys can come up. We thank you for the visions that you've already placed in our hearts. And thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the visions that you've already placed in our hearts. And thank you, Jesus, that you've given us the grace to not live this life, not just make this life, and not just make it to eternity, but have abundance of life. Have more than enough, God. Your plan has always been, God, that we would have more than enough more than sufficient just for ourselves. More than enough for just our immediate families. But but for um, the community out there, God. And we pray that this morning you would strengthen us. You would give us dreams and visions through your Holy Spirit. But God, firstly, I pray that you would stir the love that is in our hearts. Love for one another. God, we reminded, I'm reminded of the disciples that the people said that... The, We know these people were with Jesus. We can see it. We can see it in the way that they relate to one another. There's something that is not of this world. And God, I pray that right now you would come and release the word of your grace over this, this, your people. Come and fill us with your grace. Come and we pray, as Jesus told us to pray, let heaven come down. Let your kingdom come Let it happen right now. In reality, God. It's not theory, Jesus. It's reality. Let your kingdom come down right now into our hearts and we receive, we receive. Won't you just, where you're sitting, if you want to say yes.